Welcome aboard, everyone. Charles Moskowitz, Monday through Friday, 10 p.m. to midnight, Eastern Standard Time, where I am launching this year this kind of great experience where I hope to have interaction with people. You can call into the program, 617-396-4958, 617-396-4958. You can send in text questions on the Rumble page, and that is at uh, Charles Moskowitz Live at Rumble. Rumble is the flagship of about 10 different live streams and about 25 podcast sites. Um, I was going to have YouTube as my flagship, but just before I started this thing, they started sending me warnings and um, strikes, and I just realized that YouTube is not going to be a hospitable uh, home for the program. But I still sometimes post things there. I just don't want to. I don't. I don't trust them. Basically, I mean, I don't trust them either. Sorry. No, but yet Rumble is uh, is where it's at right now. It's it's uncensored. You know, I understand community standards. I've been a radio talk show host. I also know the difference between community standards and censorship. All right, William, you're the author of of many interesting books, including the one about uh, Alistair Crowley. You're an attorney, you're a researcher, graduate of the University of California, Berkeley, degree in history. You have a JD and is a me- you're a member of the State Bar Association in California. Uh, you've also written Prophet of Evil, Alistair Crowley, 9-11 and the New World Order, Abomination, Devil Worship and Deception in West Memphis, Three Murders and Children of the Beast, Alistair Crowley's Shadow of you Over Humanity, and uh, your most, your latest book is right here, Global Death Cult, The Order of Nine Angels, Adam Waffen and the Slaughter of the Innocents. Uh, there you go. Now, William, before we get into the meat of the subject, I just want to ask you, how is it that you got into this stuff? Here you are, you're a lawyer, you're a historian. What brought you into these sorts of waters? I mean, they're pretty dark. I think it was really my research into 9-11 and that kind of led me to Crowley. So I didn't really kind of intend to go down that road, but where it led me and a lot of my books really are kind of just me researching going, why isn't anybody talking to this? So that was really my first book. And I think even leads up to my most recent book, which I published in May 2021 and already have re-edited and done an update to it because so many things are happening. Mm -hmm. But I felt like these were dark subjects that need to be brought to light and people to understand some of the sub rosa occultism and some of these ideologies that are <clears throat> taking place in the new kind of media environment of mass communications and global interaction. So that's kind of why I titled this book this because so it's something very unique happening with these kind of Nazi uh, post Hitler Nazi groups yeah. and Crowley occult groups. And that they're communicating internationally, much like like in Christian groups or even probably Jewish groups or uh, maybe even Muslim groups. They're talking and relating across transnational boundaries that maybe not had may not have happened in the past. Right. There's darker groups like this book covers these darker groups that something happened after World War Two. Well, Hitler was I mean, we can get into Hitler and his occultism, but this really is a post Hitler, post Crowley. Mm-hmm. Nazi occult group, very strange. I don't think they're big, but I think that they're 
ideology is very malevolent. So that's really what led me to write my most recent book. It was kind of like the subtext of all the writing of the, the intent behind all of my books. Right. Okay. And, and I want to get to the book, but I want to also just do a little bit more background here. Um, the occult, of course, has been with us since the beginning of time. That's nothing new. But there does seem to be a point at which it became more even open, if you will, or more prominent in the Western, in Western civilization, where you had people at high levels of our government, of our culture, of our economy, of our academic, of our intellectual class, even of our religious class, embracing some of the ideas in, in the occult. Could you briefly sketch when you believe this really started to take off? Well, I mean, you can, I mean, at least in like Western, Western esotericism, probably with the kind of enlightenment uh, renaissance probably started even as early as that and kind mm -hmm. of morphed and kind of there was cross-fertilization and it just grew and you see these successive kind of eras where people are going off of Eliphas Levy who influenced Crowley who influenced these other people so I think that current has always always been there uh, and people taking from the Kabbalah but I do think that there were certain eras where public interest in the occult kind of wanes and waxes. So I think at the end of the 19th century was a very popular time for the occult. Mm -hmm. I also think up to World War II, the 60s, and then right, really the age. present, yeah, maybe the 90s. So I think there's really like, like there's horrible things happen like uh, the end of the 60s with Manson and people go, whoa, this is terrible. So then people mm -hmm. veer away and then a new generation comes in and these dangerous ideas become more acceptable or interesting to the cultural class. So I think it's always been there. And even if you go into the Old Testament, you can kind sure. of see that there's Bolek cults or, uh, you know, what's the what's Jezebel and the uh, priests of Baal, exactly. you know, you can and, and Moses contesting against Giannis and Yambras. And uh, I mean, we can go all the way back. So, oh, yeah, I mean, it's been around forever. And, you know, look, in the Old Testament, Moses, God speaks to Moses and tells him basically that such things as what he referred to as stargazing and necromancy and all of these various practices, which, you know, astrology, whatever, which which we, we generally have inherited as the occult, that these things might be true, but don't go there basically is what, what what the message came at Sinai that you know focus on only God as as the creator of the universe as the giver of the law and that these are dark forces that are very much they're dangerous and that they're corrupting and that they can overwhelm and pervert and corrupt a society almost to the point where it could almost be reach a level where it's not redeemable now in in our more modern times, I think Alistair Crowley represents one of those personalities that was a, a linchpin in terms of not only being an open occultist, but also bringing occultic beliefs and practices into the mainstream, into the British international establishment, the Anglo-American establishment, which sort of began to be take off in the late 19th century with people like Cecil Rhodes and, and others. 
and then it really started to come to a full flower, um, I think, with the Nazi movement, which was very occultic, and which, uh, you know, there's been a lot written about that. I interviewed uh, Professor Peter Lavenda, who's done some very good work on that topic. And, uh, and yet it continues on. You mentioned the New Age. Alistair Crowley influenced a lot of the darker side of the alternative mu mu movement of the 1960s. Um, and, you know, but, but how, I mean, how extensive, I mean, is this a secretive thing to a certain degree? Is this going on in the, in the halls of power without, uh, you know, sort of out of the public view? I mean, that's a great question. I think it's very hard to ascertain the totality of the influence of the occult. Well, the occult maybe in general is easier, but Crowley himself was definitely trying to influence people of his class. He was from an upper class background. He was born at the very apex of the British Empire. He was able to travel and he really only associated with fellow people of wealth like him. But I think you're right. He really was kind of like a high watermark for that era because he compiled all of that occultism from the past to that, to his ideas. And then people, well, after he passed away in 47, mm. then grew on Crowley, much like my, the topic of my book. But like if you look at uh, Leary, for example, flat out said that he was building on Crowley. He actually, there's a report statement of a seeing, he wished Crowley could see the glories of his day. And he was actually in um, Algeria at the same uh, oasis that Crowley was in. And uh, so he saw all these similarities between his life and his Crowley's life. He actually had Crowley's I Ching sticks, which are divination sticks that are Asian influenced. But I mean, you talk about the, the Masons and the secret development, like Masonry and that architecture is all within the Washington, D.C. Every prime minister for the last right. four years in the UK has been a Mason. Uh, the Masonry is, it's tied into the royalty there. So uh, how much of that influences political events is, is, is a really, I mean, you can look at here, like we've had presidents who were members of the Skull and Bones. So they are doom and uh, they're making decisions for the rest of us. So I think that these occult ideas may not be obvious, but I think that if you kind of scratch underneath the surface, you'll find a lot of these people have an occult influence. Like at the foundation of the CIA in 1947, the right. National Security Act behind Truman are four Skull and Bones members. So they were able to kind of integrate themselves into the Intel community, much like Crowley did. Probably his whole life he was an Intel member, mm -hmm. uh, an intelligence service, and then it was broken into MI5 and 6. Right, and right. It's a fascinating kind of interrelationship between secret societies and the intelligence community, the, the um, you know, the national security apparatus, what President Trump accurately, I think, called the deep state. And uh, in fact, uh, you know, it, it's almost formed a double government. It's like a legal secret society that everybody accepts and that, and that has its own sort of alternative existence. As far as masonry goes, I mean, I think that most people involved with masonry have no idea what the hell they're involved in. Um, you know, they're just in there because they want to make business connections or they want to, you know, have some, you know, social life. But if you get to the very inner core of it, it is the oldest secret society in the United States. And there is a kind of a very chilling oath that they take um, that uh, is very occultic and it does raise questions 
with regard to loyalties in terms of are they more loyal to that society or are they more loyal to the country? I mean, the, o- the only oath I've ever taken is the, the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag of the United States and the oath when I got married. <laughs> you know, it's like, these are like something else. It's something that exists outside of, uh, of that. And, and, you know, you point out accurately that most of many, if not most of our presidents, of our secretaries of state, of our high level officials are sworn masons and that the skull and bones is, uh, I mean, something of the late Anthony Sutton from the, uh, from the Hoover Institute did some tremendous research on skull and bones. Uh, I think he connects it to the European Illuminati. I may be wrong about that. He's not the uh, only one. Springmeyer also connects skull and bones to the Illuminati. Apparently there's something in German inside the tomb at Yale that is a direct axiom of the Illuminati. Or the perfected- and the Illuminati has been, has given, you know, membership, the members have, have been among the highest levels of the ruling class, if you will, in the United States, including several presidents. I mean, it was interesting in 2004 when George W. Bush was debating um, John Kerry, apparently they were both members of Skull and Bones. They were both Bonesmen. And this was brought up to them each by Tim Russert, who I think possibly died of mysterious circumstances later. I'm not making any accusations. Does seem a little ironic, but he asked both of them on, on, on Meet the Press, you know, what, are you members of Skull and Bones and what does that mean? And they both gave a very, almost an identical answer to it. It was very evasive, but you know, th- this is something that, I mean, it's kind of like, it runs against what we conventionally view as the American approach, which is openness and transparency. President Kennedy delivered an incredible speech, which I actually reproduced in one of my books. And it's available if people, if, if someone thinks I have a tin hat here, go to the Kennedy Library website, it's published, um, where he warns the country about secret oaths and secret societies, and that this is not a, a good thing for America. Of course, we know what happened to him, but that doesn't mean, <laughs> I'm not saying that that's relevant. Well, I think it's very relevant, Chuck, because those people who are in the secret societies are surrounding his death on November 22nd, 1963. And he actually used very curious terms in that speech, a monolithic conspiracy. And the monolith is kind of like the obelisk. It's kind of like their symbol uh, of that. And even even the monolith in Kubrick's film that was co-written by Clark, hyper-occultic. So I think he was really onto something and uh, the people in these kind of deep secret groups, and you're right, it's, I think it's anti-American, but that secrecy is power. Ruled by secrecy, I think, is a Jim Mars book. So these people make oh, yeah. those mm-hmm. secrets. I've interviewed Jim Mar, the late Jim Mar. Um, you know, I want to bring things up to today and, and to your book right now, which is The Global Death Cult, The Order of Nine Angels, Adam Waffen and the Slaughter of the Innocents. Um, what is the basic premise? Because I think we're living in a time now where the uh, kind of the agenda, if you will, has never been more open and more obvious to everyone. We are, you know, all really struggling with, with basic freedoms now and all under the guise of this emergency. But uh, so, so talk about your book and, and where that starts. Well, I would say it just comes out of my general research. I was into this kind of theory or this phenomenon called 
the smiley face killers where young men were disappearing really globally out of mm -hmm. bar night later to be found in water mysteriously yes. they go drowning somebody reached out to me in august of 2020 his name was igor sarsky and said have you ever heard of this group called the order of nine angles and i said no i hadn't heard of that and i'd done extensive research into crowley so I knew a lot about the OTO and some of these other groups, maybe the Illuminati and the Taros. So I was curious about this group. Well, he goes, look, th these guys, their ideas are you're supposed to go out and select a sacrificial victim and kill them and get away with it. And mm -hmm. I was, wow. So you're there's real premeditation in their ideas. And he said, yeah, this ideology may, and I haven't proved that they're associated with this phenomenon of the SFK. I include all the information in my book, but that may be something that would provide motive for these deaths that were happening in college campuses, New York, big urban areas, London. So what that led me down this kind of group to figure out what is the order of nine angles and try to really determine it. And during that time of that study, there were deaths that were starting to take place associated with the order of nine angles. There was a man by the name of William Von Nudigem, and you can look up his chance he's doing it a literal order of nine angles kind of ritual chant. He went out in Toronto and slit. They know he killed one person, one innocent uh, gentleman who was just monitoring uh, like uh, a mosque. And there was another vagrant who died under the same circumstances a week before. Mm -hmm. And then there was a guy by the name of Ethan Melser, who was a member of the military in Italy, who tried to contact the order of nine angles to set up his own, I think, group within the military for assassination so he's going to trick them and he's actually in incarcerated in the same jail i think it's the mcc with elaine maxwell right now so he hasn't gone to trial as i'm researching this i then i really want to figure out what this group is what it is is a group that was formulated by a guy named david myatt in the uk he was a member of their national socialist movement there and he was a not literal kind of national socialist socialist but also an occultist so he had learned all about Crowley and stuff and then kind of formulated his own group. And the way he wanted to differentiate this group from other occult groups was their focus on human sacrifice, what they would call opera. It's like a German word for sacrifice. Mm. To go up, there's a septenary way, which is a seven-part system. And to go up that ladder, I think at the fourth or fifth level, you're supposed to select and kill somebody, select an opera. And the selection process is you're trying to it's kind of almost like a singular evolutionary step. So you're trying to find the suitable victim that will uh, kind of cleanse the gene pool or something. Mm -hmm. So if this person is a lout, a drunk, or something like that, and that's kind of one of the things that ties into the smiley face killers is a lot of them get tired, very drunk or something. Anyway, so, you know, now this group, I'm trying to figure it out, but the group really got its stride with the advent of the internet. It was mostly just done through PO boxes and pamphleteers. So if you remember the th three ring binders or the plastic binders where you had those really mm -hmm. clanky, how it started, but then all of those documents were able to be sent through the internet. And now there are little sections of this group, the Order of Nine Angles all over the world, they're called Nexians. And it's almost like a communist cell or a terrorist cell and they have their own ideas and they believe, if you look through my book, I have a whole chapter on their ideology. Granted, you have, it's hard to ascertain how serious and, you know, orthodox their followers are with the ideology. But if they're a very serious follower, they think they're above the law. 
They can do whatever they want. They operate at night. They believe in infiltration. They believe in accelerating the end. So you're supposed to accelerate the downfall of whatever political system and put in your own political fascist kind of a cult system. Mm-hmm. So they have, and they, I think that the founder was very sophisticated and I don't know if his followers are as sophisticated, but he lays out a lot of int- unique concepts and things like that. So what happened with the order of nine angles is that those ideas then got picked up in the Nazi movement globally in the UK and the US in particular. And the group that really started fairly recently, 2015, is called Adam Waffen. It's in my title. Mm-hmm. It kind of grew up and they're a very kind of nihilistic white power group, all very young men. Um, and same thing online. Almost all of those guys are online for a long period of time. And that's a real uh, element of this kind of new ideological development is these guys are online reading on, on message boards, 4chan or mm-hmm. some Adam Waffen then became involved in death. So one member, uh, his name was Giampa, killed his girlfriend's parents. The two, one of the founders, his name is Clint Russell, and another associate, um, that associate shot two Adam Waffen members who were from uh, New England or the Northeast. And then another Adam Waffen member, his name was Woodward, uh, killed a guy in Orange County. So you see this ideology affecting people all over the world. And that's just what we know. And uh, I really kind of trace it. And, and I think they're very dangerous. And they've kind of, they did a very intense kind of swatting campaign, which is mm. when some calls. Um, yeah. The the says, hey. And so that just, that just happened, by the way, to Tim Poole. Right. The, uh, the, the podcaster, he suddenly the uh, SWAT team showed up. They, they knew it was a fake call, but that's, you know, that's very dangerous because he's known to, own firearms and it could have been it could have been the shooting and um you know it, that's a serious crime wadding has resulted in innocent deaths yeah. many people have gone to jail and it was interesting because i saw that tim cast thing and they pulled up this guy kelly who's a member of adam waffen who i mentioned in my book who mm-hmm. did this campaign so there was a swatting campaign that the the fed federal government kind of caught these guys and wrapped up a lot of them and one of them was an associate of richard spencer uh-huh. uh, named Snyder. And so these, the Adam Waffen guys, and what's interesting is the ideology, this kind of occultism ideology and symbology from the Order of Nine Angles seeped into Adam Waffen. So okay. you'll see Adam Waffen members with the bat that flies at night. So they have this kind of concept of like flying at night. There's all these crimes take place at night. Um, and you see this, uh, the Sinister Tradition, which is kind of a key book from the Order of Nine Angles. There's uh, one researcher into Adam Waffen who have these guys from all over the country with their copy of the sinister tradition. So the guy that I mentioned earlier, Meltzer, he mm-hmm. had a sinister tradition on his desk with the kind of skull mask that the Adam Waffen mem- uh, wears. And that was part of his kind of accoutrement. So it's uh, this ideology came through like this kind of Nazism and occultism and now has kind of spread around to the far right groups and include, they include kind of uh, James Mason, who was a known Nazi friend of uh, Rockwell was his name, an American Nazi. George Lincoln Rockwell. Yeah. George Lincoln Rockwell. Mason was a friend of his and Mason is now featured in a lot of these books. He has a book called siege, but a lot of these Adam Waffen guys really admired him 
And so you'll see pictures of some of the leaders of Adamoff and with James Mason. And he was an uh, advocate for lone wolf killing. So he mm-hmm. knew what was really crazy reading through Siege is that he knew some of these far right uh, Nazi killers. Uh, I can't remember the name. Zizek was one. There was another guy. There, there's these crazy guys who uh, shoot. Anyway, so really bad ideas but it really all started from the uk with this one guy david Myatt, and now it's just kind of spread around the world and there's tons of crimes associated with these guys so right. there's russia there's crimes in the uk us canada those are the known ones and it's really something people really need to be aware of because mm-hmm. as a no i mean it, it kind of reminds me of a couple of things first of all the idea of being a made man you know, it comes from the mafia, which again is another secret society that goes back to mid 19th century Italy, and which is very entrenched in Southern Italy to the point where there's a reason why there's poverty there. People are afraid to go into business because they're gonna get hit by this secretive government and that the, the, the government in Italy is afraid to take them on. They're very dangerous people that have become entrenched. And, uh, I also think of the Son of Sam murders because I interviewed an author who wrote a very comprehensive book about that. And he showed how he was involved with the satanic cult and that that cult, according to uh, the Son of Sam himself, whom this guy interviewed in prison, there's still more, out there. Did you Terry? Maury Terry? Yes. They're still out there. You know, they're, they're doing these ritual murders, uh, never been caught. And right here in Boston, where I live, a couple of years ago, I think maybe about five or six years ago, we had some of these happy face murders. Basically, young men in a, alone in a bar, slightly drunk, you know, at closing time, would, would, would leave the bar alone and then they would disappear and they would be found uh, in the Charles River or their body would be found. There was no robbery. It wasn't a sexual thing either. It was just murder. There's a there lot of a number of them, and they never really found anyone to to to, uh, to link to that. Kind of disappeared. Boston is a hot spot for those types of deaths. There's many, many, many. Before COVID, that was taking place, and there's a really good article about the Boston deaths at a blog called Cryptid Antiquarian. And if you type that in and type in the deaths, she was a blogger. I can't remember her name offhand, but she was a blogger. She just said, "Oh, look at all these strange deaths in Boston." Cryptid Antiquarian. I can't remember her offhand, but she's like, oh, look at all these deaths. And so her blog, she kind of had this kind of small following. All of a sudden, thousands of people were commenting on it. I interviewed her. I wish I could remember her name offhand. But right. they obviously they had thousands. My brother was at this. This happened to him. him. He was drugged and was drowned and farmed out. And so those deaths, I mean, I can remember their faces in my mind because I featured them in my documentary from 2017. But, yeah, there was some very, there are very many suspicious disappearances and only to be found later in, in the Charles River, which is strange. Right, exactly. And other places. Now, uh, is there any connection between this and the, I don't know if you know about the Franklin cover-up? I know the Franklin very much. I would say the Order of Nine Angles, to my knowledge, in Adam Wappen was came after the Franklin cover-up. So I don't, I don't have any connections between that, but I'm familiar with Franklin. Yeah. But that cover-up was very, I actually did a show today about the Dutro affair that happened in Belgium, Belgium, which was very similar to the Franklin events and cover up blackmail, mm-hmm. kids being abducted, child sex slaves, sex all slaves. of that stuff. 
And then the cleanup, like it, a lot of people suspiciously died in the Franklin cover-up and the same thing happened in the Dutro. With high level Republican party people in, involved, um, you know, just, and is there any connection between this and Epstein and his pedophile activities and his ring, which I think has connections all over the world and also has interconnections with, you know, the CIA, deep state, Mossad, MI5, all of it. All of it. I didn't see that in this book, in the, the far right. These guys, I would say, are international, but their groups, there were these offshoots of Adam Wap, and one is called Sonnen Creek Division. Then there's a another one, I can't, it's like Adam Creek. But those were, and they've all, a lot of them have been prescribed, actually. In Australia, uh, I think it was Sonnen Creek became prescribed, which means if you're a member, you go to jail right away for 10 years. So in Australia, you have like 14 uh, Muslim terrorist groups. And then at the very bottom is one neo-Nazi group, Sonnen Creek, that they banned in the same, they actually, uh, I think, banned it in the UK as well. Um, so, so I didn't see a lot of, it is odd too, though, because there is a connection between like Adam Waffen and some of its other offshoots and child pornography and child abuse. These guys have a really oh, yeah. nasty tendency to have videos and child rape uh, videos on their phones or they have them in their possession. And that was a common element in the U.S. and the U.K. So their sensibilities are like amoral, nihilistic, super abusive. And the language is very grim and like mm. really ugly. Now, I think that I want to clarify that oftentimes the issue of, um, you know, white supremacy and neo-Nazism is used as a political football by the liberal establishment who try to paint anyone who's conservative, uh, including President Trump and anybody who's, you know, somehow does not conform to the liberal establishment as being part of this. We're all white supremacists. I've heard that word be, become very mainstreamed in ways where it has nothing to do with, with, with that. I mean, people are not white supremacists. We're talking here about a very, very select group of people that have nothing to do with conservatives or Republicans. Probably they're both left and right. They're both Democrats and Republicans. They're not, these are not, I mean, uh, Richard Spencer was a supporter of Biden. I mean, this isn't like, you know, some kind of a, you know, conservative thing. I mean, I just want to be clear because it's so often you know, misused like a political football. I totally agree. And I think that it's like you said, they're trying to paint a larger picture. These groups are the real thing. These are the really nasty, young, uh, violent types. Yes. But just if you disagree, I mean, if you have a right, whatever you would call conservative sensibility, doesn't mean you're a neo-Nazi, obviously. So, But you're right. Well, they, tr they, they try to score political points to this. But this is like a different animal. This is something new. Uh, that comes out of the modern technological era of mass communications and really ease of travel. Like I think the head of the Adam Waffen division mm -hmm. went, traveled to the UK and met with people. So you're seeing kind of like uh, connections between these people and groups and uh, yeah, it can be pretty dangerous. And he, they, yeah, when yeah. this head of the Adam Waffen division was in jail, he just got out of jail within the last six months, I think. Uh, one of the researchers you can look into and see all the pictures 
of them with uh, Adam Watt from with ONA books is Nate Thayer, T-H-A-Y-E-R. If you type in Adam Waffle with him, he's done a fantastic job of really pinpointing these guys on their social media and uh, showing them with ONA type stuff, tons of books and, and uh, stuff like that. But um, yeah, so there's just, yeah, these guys, it's, it's some mass communication thing where they're able to communicate in ways that the old line Nazis. And another interesting thing about this, this, the original founder probably was this guy, David Myatt, who he might've had some help writing stuff, but he was in the post Hitler environment in, in um, Europe. And so he was part of the stay behind group. That was the Gladio group. So it was called, I think combat 18. And he actually prized a, a treasured signed photograph of Otto Reamer, who was a, a crucial and crucially involved in the what's known as the Valkyrie attempt on Hitler's life in 1944. And mm -hmm. if it wasn't for Reamer to kind of not listen to orders that were coming from, I think, Von, Stauf, von Stauffenberg. Von Stauffenberg, yeah. Yeah. So if it wasn't for Reamer, that, that, oh, that Hitler might have been overthrown. So this guy really loves Reamer. So he's on, and a lot of oh, the wow. opening. Uh, so Reamer turned out to be like a. Uh, kind of a turncoat within that conspiracy to kill, to kill Hitler. My understanding Possibly. of Reamer was he was in Berlin and he was uh, kind of a corporal or something. He mm -hmm. wasn't a high level guy, but once he realized that Hitler was still alive, Reamer turned back the entire attempted overthrow. So he directed all the arrests and then he got elevated by Hitler. And then the war went on for another year, which That's was another right. total disaster year. So it was the, wor the worst part of it. Yeah, and, the worst. Uh, I guess that I mean, can you make a connection between the I mean Nazis who at that time I think recognized the fact that Hitler was going to lose the war, and they'd made contingencies to get out of Germany. I mean, there's many of them made their way to South America. They made their way to the Middle East, where a lot of them converted to Islam and they engaged in the war against the state of Israel. They made it to Russia. They even made it here. I mean, is there like a link between them and and these groups or or not? The only I didn't see there was some kind of fascist organization post-war. And it right. seems like I knew some of the people in there and associated with them. But the, the German Nazis uh, didn't see that much of an influence. But the ideology is all there. Sure. So the real philosophy of the Nazis of like triumph of the will and the occultism and the godlessness and the high idea that they're going to create a Reich. This one has kind of a space opera, the order of nine angles where mm. they're become a new human being called homo galacticus and, and see the galaxy. And they're going to leave the homo hubriati or like the arrogant people that they disdain behind them. And they talk about the Nazarene. So they're very ant. I think that would include, old and new testament sensibilities so they nazarenes are, are people who are their enemy and so uh yeah so they have a different kind of idea of kind of a reich it would be synonymous reich and they've taken ideas from a guy by the name of francis yaki imperium he was a kind of a fascist sensibility post-war kind of a strange character mm -hmm. and who was the other guy's name it was a philosopher who was talking about the end of the age it was a german philosopher i can't remember his name right now okay but 
yeah so they 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 draw a lot of that and it's kind of like the it's called a, uh hitler esotericism so it's kind of like this esoterical hitler of people who really admired him there's one guy named guerrero out of um chile and mm-hmm. then Vitri devi i don't know if you've heard her but actually she yeah, Nor, uh, Rockwell actually got Debbie's ashes when she died. And, and there right. were connections actually between Rockwell and people this guy knew. There was a guy by the name of Colin Wilson who was a Nazi involved, or right-wing Nazi, I guess we would call it, in the UK. And he was friends with Rockwell, and Myatt was friends with Colin Wilson and worked under him. Although I just, just as a note on George Lincoln Rockwell, I mean, my friend, the late Sam Blumenfeld, who wrote a volumes of books and is a great researcher on education, he wrote an essay claiming that George Lincoln Rockwell was a, was a communist front and that he was a little too slick. You know, he was like, everything was the, where, where the money was coming from and he'd have these, these hate nannies. I mean, it was like, it was so phony. And that uh, he was put on the cover of Time Magazine. It's like he was trumpeted by the establishment as the new right. This is like in the 1960s. He ended up being shot in it, it, having a, a spat with his homosexual lover. But the thing is that the, the whole thing seemed very staged. And that was his theory. He does a very good job of documenting it. Yeah. Well, I agree with that because I've interviewed somebody whose name I can't remember offhand, but he said that he was friends with one of the Rockefellers. Lawrence Rockefeller was funding him. Yeah, so he was feared by an elite. There's a famous island outside of D.C. where all of these rich people, Robert Mueller and all of the elite, the oh, Eastern yeah. Summer, they all know each other. It's incredible. There's a really good interview. I'll try to they all, went, they all went to prep school together. but yeah. um, And they summered together. So they summer. Yeah. And Mueller, of course, was the head of the FBI at a time when they covered up the um, in Boston, the Boston Marathon business. And uh, just a very sinister character, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> Which gets to the, the topic we started with here, which is the kind of the intersection between this really bizarre right-wing cell-like group that's going around, you know, killing people like the ancient assassins did in, in Persia. You know, you go and become a made man and you take on this spirit once you kill them. And, and, and the higher level people, you know, the bo- people in the boardrooms, the people in the highest halls of power. I mean, can you make a connection between this really scary and sinister group and people in the establishment? Like, I don't know, you mentioned Mueller's name. I'm not going to go there, but but I mean, is this, an, is this something you can show? Well, it's a very good question. It's not the first time I've been asked that. It, for me, from the research, from what I can see with an internet connection, it's kind of an underground group. This guy's sophisticated and networked. So whether there's an intel person puppeteering him or guiding the ideology of the ONA, I don't know. But there's clearly people operating independently, meaning it's there's some of these deaths don't have a political. They don't seem like to be politicized in a certain way that would benefit uh, somebody. It would benefit if you're trying to create a far right wing group that's very radical that you can operate against. They, you know, somebody's done a very good job. But like, uh, for example, there was the London nail bomber whose name I can't remember right now, but he was associated with the National Socialist Movement in the UK that the founder of the ONA was involved in, David Myatt. And he bombed three people, three uh, 
different bars or different areas and injured a really bad, a huge amount of people in the hundreds. Some people mm -hmm. lost their legs. Like there was a, yeah, it was really awful. So, you know, it's hard to say like if, if somebody wanted to make the right wing look terrible, they've done a really good job by creating the order of nine angles and the Adam often because right. Yeah. Very nasty. Were, were they at the uh, Charlottesville protest? Some of them were. There's an affiliation with Adam Waffen and the Charlottesville. And some of our obvious, um, some of my, re yeah, yeah, there's, a, it's not obvious, like, the, the you, you catch these guys on their social media with connections to Adam Waffen and stuff. So it's, some of these members, it, it's hard to say exactly how many members who are at Charlottesville were members of Adam Waffen or but they, but as as we noted, they're, they're kind of all birds of a feather. There's like an inter interrelationship. They call uh, you know. There's like a, there's a word for this. I can't think of it right now. But uh, probably yeah. But the left the, the left does this too with uh, you know sort of these common causes of groups uh, which have nothing to do with each other. They all come together and they kind of you know scratch each other's back. There's one really interesting article. I think it was the Daily Beast where they the title of it like war within Adam Waffen. So there was one part that was pro order of nine angle occultism. And the other one just wanted to be your standard national socialist without this kind of occultism. So there was, I'll send you the article, but Thank I, you. Thought, I think national socialism itself by nature is highly occultic. Right. I mean, it's a, they, they were into the Norse gods and they, they actually went to like Tibet to study Eastern religions. You know, I think that, uh, the, the theosophy movement had a lot to do with it of of um, Blavatsky and and them uh, all that stuff yeah all that German kind of mysticism was involved Hitler loved that stuff yeah he was like bro he loved to get these little kind of almost like it's weird because it's almost like the LNA like these little pamphlets from far right mystics in Germany he liked to read those Ostara I think was the name of one but right, uh, right. Yeah, I mean, I think what it was von Rauschening said, the Nazis or the Germans had one foot in Atlantis or something like that. I think that was very telling because their sensibilities and all those guys, I think it was Hess was a full-on oh, yeah. astrologist. And, and it's a radical evolutionary movement. As you say, they want to create a new human being. The Nazis called this the Ubermensch. I see echoes of this, maybe not consciously, in sort of the sort of some of the uh, the transhumanist movement, quite frankly, you know, where they want to create a new human being that has both biological and and mechanical parts, and that will become super strong and super conscious, and they'll develop, you know, they'll live to be two hundred, and they'll be blonde hair, blue eyed, whatever, you know, designing, you know, kind of like it gets into question, frankly, of a gene, uh, uh, of gene, you know. Um, some of the CRISPR stuff and the gene uh, manipulations that, right, that is, is on the, it's, it's coming down the pike. I mean, some of these things and some of these people have, have strong ideologies. Yeah. It's in this, that evolution okay. of we're going to take evolution in our hands and, you know, kill off the, the, the homo hubriati who they have, which isn't, it's not like the Germans who had an ethnic thing. This is kind of like a philosophical sensibility. So I'd say that they have a kind of a little bit of a, tw a twist or an adjustment from Nazis, but it's still kind of the same thing. Like we're the elect, we're the elite, 
and these people have to go. They're keeping us down. Once we get rid of them, we can ascend to the galaxy. So they actually, strangely, they have like a weird three or 400 year plan. So their sense is they're going through different steps. And according to internal uh, ideas, they've made it to the third part. So they've already formulated all their ideology. They've now started, been able to spread it around the world. And now it's time to expand. And this guy, I think it's happening more, a lot quicker than we thought. I think we're going to see a, a, a much different world, even like five years from now. I totally agree. And I already updated this. So, so much has ha happened. There's a guy named Daniel Hussein in the UK. You can look him up. He got close to a, a member, become a living God, the B-O-L-G. The guy's name was um, E.A. Kuetting and who wrote stuff for the Order of Nine Angles. And this guy in London got their ideas. So he got ideas from the U.S., went mm -hmm. out to a park in London and killed two sisters in the middle of the night. And he wrote something in a blood pack that I'm going to kill and not get caught. And he got caught, thank God. So he's mm -hmm. actually almost sentenced right now. Uh, he got convicted, but they're trying to figure out where, like how culpable he was uh, based upon whether he's on the uh, spectrum. There's a lot of kind of uh, Asperger's spectrum type people that get attracted to these groups too, which is another thing scary. So, uh, but it's still, it's oh, happening, yeah. Charles. It's happening. Yeah. There's young disaffected people. And Daniel Hussein doesn't quite fit the bill because he doesn't quite fall into kind of the white, disaffected white guy. He was like Arab or, you know, from the Middle East or something. So, it's just something so they, to... they, they draw from disaffected, disillusioned, frankly atheistic and a, and aimless young men. That's the core that they attract. That was the core of Nazism and communism. I may add that uh, you know this is where the, the the core recruiting took place because they're people that don't have any roots. They don't have any, you know. There's no family value. There's no education. Usually, there's no sense of. Uh, faith. I mean, it's, uh, you know, they're looking for something to fill the void and they find these people. I mean, it goes back, as I said earlier, to the cult of the assassins in Persia in the Middle Ages. I mean, this guy would find these, these, these guys like really down and out in a village, very poor, you know, hanging out at a bar, whatever. And he would sweep them up and bring them to this palace in the mountains where they would just have everything. And, you know, women and food and booze and you know every kind of luxury that they would indulge and then after about five weeks of that he would send them back out and say you can have this forever if you kill this person and then you'll take on his spirit and that's why they call the, the word assassin comes from that there was a cult in in persia and anyway, you know what their, you know what their doctrine was nothing okay. is true everything is permitted so it's the same nihilistic worldview and they successfully killed like crusader kings oh, yeah. and people in Turkey. So they it wasn't like some small impact. It was an international cross-jurisdictional type of group that had effect. Yeah. And they also used drugs. I mean, the word hashish comes from assassin. Uh, you know, they were part of the ceremony and they were involved with various rituals where they would be, they'd get pretty stoned and then they would almost feel like outside of, the, of themselves. And, and that they would then be able to commit these crimes, believing that they were going to get this great reward. Is there a connection between, because I want to talk about what's happening right now in the world. We see terrible political ramifications 
emanating out of what is a real thing, which is this pandemic. And we'll put aside whether or not it was created in a laboratory in China, which I think more and more doctors believe it was. And even the New York Times has kind of admitted this. But the fact is that the result has been a serious restriction of freedoms. We have lockdowns. We have people having to whip face masks everywhere. You've got in, uh, you know, in Australia, you've got concentration camps, let's be honest. In the state of Washington, they, they have a bill now where they want to set up concentration camps for people who are refusing to have this DNA injection. And this is really a loss of freedom in, more, in a more open way than anything we could have even imagined in, in our lifetime. And, and one of the architects of this, quite frankly, is this guy, Klaus Schwab, whose parents came, were SS Nazis and who started the World Economic Forum, which holds a meeting every year in Davos. And basically he wrote a book before the pandemic saying there's going to be this event and it's going to be a biological event and it's going to usher in what he calls the fourth industrial age. Is there a connection? I don't have any any obvious connections between when I was doing my research. I've only been researching this group a year and a half, maybe. Okay. I never saw anything tying into Klaus Schwab. I do think it's the same kind of sensibility because I do think that the DNA injection is hyper dangerous. It's under EAUA. And I think that they really planned it. I think there's a really good book I can recommend if I can find it right here. It's um COVID-19 and the Global Predators, and it's by We Are the Prey is the, is the name of the uh, title of the book, and it's by Bregan, B-R-E-G-G-I-N, and uh, it's incredible because, and it involves Peter McCullough, who's been on the news recently, Vladimir Zelenko, yeah. but they really show in the end, in the show notes, that these pandemic predictions and planning events were really taking place, CEPI that they were talking about it in 2017, 2016 with Gates. So mm. the thing was all there. They're talking about it. Um, they actually and- had some training sessions at Johns Hopkins University that uh, to, to prepare for, and they're kind of following the manual of that yes. in terms of how to get societies, how to use the media, and, and which uh, you know I think I would contend is, is not op- openly controlled, but certainly dominated by people who have this particular way of thinking about the world and, uh, you know, to, to create fear and panic and, uh, you know, it's, and, and they're able to then marshal those sorts of forces to get people to do all kinds of things that uh, in that mindset that, that they would not otherwise do. I agree. It's almost like the nine 11, nine 11 after nine 11 happened, it was fear of death. You could die at any moment. And yes. so they change and they put in the Patriot Act and all this stuff. We got to go to war in Iraq. We could die at any moment. There could be a nuclear bomb. And this whole COVID thing is the same thing. Massive fear. You could die any moment. This could happen to you in anything. And you can get somebody in that state. They're very pliable. So there's a lot of psychology. And I think the word that was put out by these guys was mass formation psychosis. Is that what they said? It was? That, that's what I, I heard. Um um what, what what's his Malone, name um, Malone or McCullough yeah Dr. Robert Malone talk about this with uh, Joe Rogan and yeah, that uh, and th- that the other telling element of the whole thing is the fact that they have restricted drugs that work and that have been FDA approved for decades 
like ivermectin. You know, I'm glad I could talk about this on, on Rumble because I know that if I talk, mentioned this on YouTube, I'd be gone, they'll pull the plug in two seconds. So this is really very liberating doing the show. I try on, to get on Rockman, Charles. I don't know if you've heard of Rockman, but I hear, I hear they're very- Rockman, yeah. Yeah, Rockfin and Odyssey. There's a lot of places popping up. There's Getter, which I now have a site. Um, I have a website, charlesmoskowitz.com, which lists all the venues that carry the show. I've got 10 live streams. I've got about 30 different podcast streams, including the big ones like iHop, like um, uh, you know, iTunes and, and, and Spotify and iHeartRadio. Um, and so far, so good. You know, I mean, I'm just launching the show this year. I want to get into these issues. I have wanted to do this for a while, but I felt suppressed because of what's going on. There's a huge media suppression, but I'm hopeful. There are alternatives. There are people that are pushing back. I mean, the interview that Rogan did with, um, with Dr. Malone, when Twitter basically tried to censor it, you had millions of people leave Twitter and go to Getter, where uh, Rogan has set up shop. And, and the idea that they would censor this guy, who was one of the inventors of the vaccine, he's not anti-vax, and they would censor Robert F. Kennedy Jr. on top of that. I mean, it's 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 really shows where we are now in in terms of this controlled age. You know, the one of the planks of the of, of the Communist Manifesto and one of the under, one of the definitions of socialism is public ownership of the means of communication. And that's what this is. They, they're not the government, although they work with the government, it is an informal, unelected, international, illuminated bureaucracy. And you get this Waffen SS group that you've written about, William, the uh, Order of the Nine Angels. Those are their street thugs. Those are the people that do, it's like a scissor effect. They're the ones that are operating on the street, terrorizing people and committing the real crimes while the other people are up in the boardrooms and in, in the places of power running, running the reaction to it. I mean, at least that's my theory on this. Well, I agree with that. Schwab doesn't even have, the, it's the World Economic Forum, but he also has, though I think, I can't remember the acronym, but World Leadership, something. So he has political leaders all over the world, including people in the American Congress. That one kind oh, of guy no. military who's on the right is a Schwab protege. I can't remember the guy with the eye patch. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, Crenshaw. Crenshaw, thank you. And so there's a lot going on. There's a lot. Pfizer is, is really, the corporate media is kind of a quasi-fascist media because Pfizer's paying all of the money for the advertising brought to you by oh, Pfizer. Yeah, yeah. Everything is by Pfizer. You can take a look at the TV shows. They got commercials everywhere. The money has a lot to do with why drugs that actually can treat COVID are suppressed. And this is a terrible thing because you get blood on their hands. Yes. You know, these are people, you know, there are a lot of people could have been saved. Uh, well, for example, me personally, because my mom is in an older folks home and they locked her up last year for a whole year. And they had us all so scared. We didn't want to take her out. Didn't want to get people sick. And they could have probably stalled that whole, that's torture. And they probably could have forestalled all that by saying, hey, you could just have ivermectin or some hydroxy, uh, quercetin, vitamin yeah. A, vitamin C, and you should probably be okay. And they, they've lied about all the stats about deaths and stuff like that. The average age is like 82. It's not yeah. a young 
No, it's not. Or it's people, it's also the country's gotten a lot fatter and there's, there's health morbidities, which is another subject altogether. Anyways, William, listen, this is really, really interesting. I, I hope to have you back occasionally and, and please Anything. stay in touch with me because I want to cover, as I launch into this year, I want to cover that. Yes, the book is Global Death Cult, The Order of Nine Angels, Adam Waffen and the Slaughter of the Innocents. I see it's available both as a soft paperback and as a Kindle <clears throat> on Amazon.com. Uh, is it available anywhere else, William? If you like a signed copy, you can go to my website, WilliamRamseyInvestigates.com. I'll send you a signed copy. William Ramsey Investigates. Okay. William, it's been a pleasure. And I really appreciate the work you're doing. It's, 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 it's courageous. It's tough. It's not easy to think about and write about these things. But we have to in order to have any semblance of freedom moving forward in this world. And, you know, we don't want to go through what happened in World War II. It's a very important part of this title. These innocent people get caught up in these things and get hurt, family members. Of course. Not even associated with like the far right movement. Nothing. You know, it's just a terrible thing. So you really want to just be aware that some of these younger kids are caught up in a really nasty ideology and you want to protect yourself and be careful of that. So Absolutely. I can't emphasize that enough. All right, William. Listen, again, thank you so much. Um, I really appreciate you joining me. Likewise. Great to be with you again, Charles. Keep in touch. All right.